So it's just a good reminder. These kids don't need all these fancy, dedicated playtimes and activities. They just want to be with you and they want to be experiencing life alongside you. Hello, are you ready to enter the chat? I am so happy to have Ali Mafucci here to help us answer some of your questions. Welcome, Ali, to the Mom Force. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yay. Well, can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. So my name is Ali Mafucci. Uh, I'm the founder of Inspiralize, which was originally a food blog dedicated to cooking with the spiralizer, which is a kitchen tool that turns veggies into noodles. Mm-hmm. Most people know like zucchini noodles. I started off doing that. I published three books on that premise. And since I started the business nine, almost 10 years ago, I've now transitioned after having four children um, into more of a family-friendly, easy recipe site that's still very veggie forward, but also a, a huge part of what I do now is a lot of motherhood and lifestyle inspirational content. I just wrote a cookbook, so I'm still writing cookbooks, but now it's kind of evolved since having children and becoming a mother. Yeah. When you have four kids, they pretty much take over your life and everything <laughs> everything becomes geared to the kids. Well, you have so much great content on your page and you're the perfect person to enter the chat here and help us answer some questions from our Mom Force community. Are you ready to dig in? Yes, ready. All right, let's do this. We have a question from Heather from our Mom Force Facebook page. And she says, we've entered the dinner power struggle with our seven and nine-year-old. We've tried limiting snacks. We've tried saying, sit here until you eat it. We've tried no treats until you eat your dinner. And they literally do not care. Should I just give up? All right, Allie, mother <laughs> of four, what advice do you have for Heather? Well, I don't have a seven or nine-year-old yet. Um, My oldest child is five. But I think the issue here is you want to create a nurturing environment around food in general. And I think that the more you try to control a situation with children, the more they negatively react. And at this stage in their lives, they're just looking for their own independence and control. So if they notice pressure from the parents, they're more likely to just, even if they're hungry, they're not going to eat because they want to you know, assert themselves. So what Mm -hmm. I always say is, it's our jobs to provide food for our kids. And that is a privilege. That's a luxury to do in itself. So as long as you're providing foods and exposing them to foods, it's their decision what they want to eat. You can't force them to eat. So I always say I present the food, they get to pick what they want. And if you, if you look at your kid and the way they eat, you want to trust them a bit. You want to trust their knowledge of their own body and the way it feels. So I'll notice my son, he won't eat a vegetable for five days. And then one day he'll ask me for broccoli or string beans or something. Cause I always present those foods. So he knows they're available. So I think that we need to put a little more confidence in our kids and them knowing their bodies and what they need. Maybe they're running around. They just need a lot of carbs because they need a lot of energy, but I like to look at the week instead of the day. Cause if you look at the day, it's like, okay, my son ate a bagel, chicken nuggets and French fries you know, but if you look at the week, it's, it's a much better picture. Yeah. I love just putting the job to be done for us is to provide the food, not to make sure it gets in their bodies. Cause I, we, no one needs another power struggle right, at the dinner table. Exactly. And it's hard enough to get food on the table. So you're, you've done a great job if you've gotten to that point. Exactly. Well, and something that I've noticed in all of your recipes are very veggie forward. And often these battles are around vegetables. Any advice around that? I don't, I don't like hiding vegetables by any means, but obviously my number one tip is make them taste delicious. You know, use good amounts of cooking oils and seasonings, but also there are ways to incorporate vegetables that are not sneaky, but they're uh, a little more subtle. So my favorite thing for that is I'll make my own marinara sauce, which is very easy. It's made in a blender. 
but I'll, you know, chop up a bunch of vegetables, roast them, and then just puree them into the marinara sauce. Mm -hmm. The kids can't see them, but it has a nice little taste. So they're still getting that flavor exposure. um, And it makes you feel a little better because if they're eating pasta with that veggie pack sauce, you can, you know, relax a little bit. Yeah, it's true. My kids love turkey lettuce wraps. And in addition to the turkey, I get my little ninja blender or chopper and I chop up every vegetable in my fridge and they have no idea because they're so tiny and small and they just mix up all in the, um, in the ground beef and they love it. And it feels like if this is the only thing they really eat, they they're covered for the week. I love that advice. Yes. Of looking at the long yes. view of the whole week. So good. I love that. Okay. Here's another question. Now, Allie, you have one year old twins, correct? Yes. Amazing. <laughs> and then how old are your two older kids? So my daughter is almost three and a half and my son just turned five. Oh my gosh. So fun. Okay. So you are in the thick of it and the perfect person to answer this question from Mary. She posted this on our mom force Facebook group. She says, I'm wanting to start doing more daily structured playtime with my 16 month old. What are your favorite resources, activities, et cetera, that have worked for you and your kids? What does playtime look like at your house? Well, because I do have a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and five-year-old, it's very different. But the way I like to approach playtime is what do my kids need in that moment? What are their bodies need? So if it's when they first wake up, for some reason, they are just raring to go and they need to get their wiggles out, especially if it's before school. So I'll do an active kind of playtime. So we have stomp rockets, um, which are these little oh, things yeah. that you, yeah, my kids you love stomp those. on. Those are awesome. They're great. They're a hit. You stomp on it and it shoots up into the air. So I'll say, okay, go outside do the stomp rockets while I make breakfast. And then, you know, after school, they've composed themselves all day. So I'll let them go to the playground for an hour and have that kind of playtime. But during the day, if you have a 16 month old, obviously, to answer this woman's question, I think we underestimate the value of just bringing our children along for everything and using those moments for play. So Mm -hmm. I love taking my twins out on errands. And, you know, if it's something they can just kind of watch and participate in a certain way. Maybe it's picking something off a shelf or, you know, when we get home, picking things out of the grocery bags or something like that. That is play. You know, it's like play by association, I guess. So I do a lot of that, but the resources that I love, um, Instagram, Mother Could, I love Busy Toddler, Days with Gray. Those are all um, creators, women, mothers um, who created great resources. I love them, but also Um, My own activities for 16 month old, they love to scoop and sort. So I'll just like place, you know, different bins and a scooper of some sort, just a spoon and maybe little balls and they'll scoop. I love throwing them in the bathtub. If you're a mess averse, you can just throw them in the bathtub, bubbles, water, little floaty boats or toys, um, maybe finger paints and just let them have fun. That's a great one too. Yeah. So good. We actually had Miriam from Motherhood on the podcast too. She has so many great ideas and she's also in the thick of it with her kids. And I love how you just said living your life, that is play to a 16 month old going to Costco. That is like a grand adventure. And so you don't need to put all this extra pressure to create some structured playtime when you get home. That is the playtime at that age. They're thrilled to give them a couple little samples along the way. So good. Exactly. I have to say, I brought my kids into New York to something called the Slime Museum. And yes, um, yeah. I've been there. <laughs> and actually, oh. I have a daughter obsessed with slime, and I, I, I stopped by there last time I was in New York. Oh, yeah. It's great if someone doesn't or loves slime, obviously. So we went there. And then afterwards, we walked to my husband's office, which is a few blocks down. 
And we went to his office. And honestly, I think my kids had more fun playing with like post-it notes at his office than they did at the Slime Museum. So it's just a good reminder. These kids don't need all these fancy dedicated playtimes and activities. They just want to be with you and they want to be experiencing life alongside you. Yeah. Oh, so good. Because that Slime Museum was not cheap. <laughs> it was a not. And too. it's a germ fest. Yeah. <laughs> Very That's what I thought too. All right. You ready for another question? This one is from Rihanna, and she has a question about sensory activities and little ones. She says, when and how often should I be doing these kinds of activities? I'm an easily overwhelmed mom, and I think we can all relate. I think overwhelm (laughs) is common in this mom job, but it's particularly for sensory activities. They can be really helpful for development, but... Like, do we need to feel extra added pressure to do them? You know, I blame Instagram and Pinterest for this obsession with sensory kits. And don't get me wrong, I do them and I love them. And I particularly choose times of years to do them. I love like themed kits. So around Halloween, I just got them like a Halloween sensory kit. But I by no means do sensory activities all the time. I think there's way too much pressure on that. I feel like parents, especially mothers, who tend to plan the activities for the kids. I feel like there is a pressure to do that. Like if I don't do a sensory kit or a bin, my kids aren't going to develop, you know, motor skills that they need to. I don't think that's the case at all. And what I always tell people who um, ask me this question, because I've actually gotten asked this question before, is my favorite way to get sensory plan every single day is mealtimes. So mm. playing with food is the best way to get a sensory experience. And if you have a small baby, um, baby led weaning is great because from six months, when you start solids with them, they're feeling foods in their hands and they're, they're feeding themselves. So even if, you know, you aren't doing baby led weaning and you're sticking to purees for your baby, when they get older and they are eating those foods, serve it to them in a way that they can really experience it. Give them yogurt in a bowl with some fruit and let them pick it out. Let them get really messy and then put them in a bathtub if that really, you know, <laughs> freaks you out. But that is my number one tip because kids have to eat, you know, three plus times a day. So you have all those opportunities to get sensory play in. Yep. And right as you said that, I had this little voice in my head, don't play with your food. That feels like something we were told as children, but you heard it from Allie. Let your kids play with your food. That's perfect, easy sensory play just happening in your everyday life. So Yes, good. exactly. And honestly, to your question before about picky eaters, I found that if I incorporate a little bit of play into mealtimes, they're much more likely to eat. And I don't mean like throwing food up in the air and pop it in your yeah, mouth. I mean, yeah, like take a dinosaur and let the dinosaur stomp through the, the rice mm. and feed the rice to the dinosaur. Okay, now feed yourself some rice, that yeah. kind of thing. And they feel the rice and they, they feel the food with their hands. And that's a sensory experience in itself. Yeah, so good. Okay, here's another question. This one was also on our Mom Force Facebook group from Adrienne. She says, so here's my question. What do you do with your kids all day? What activities and things do you do to keep them busy and learning and having fun? Okay, you've already mentioned that going to dad's office or going to the grocery store could be considered play. But have you ever felt that guilt for not wanting to get down and play? Let's see, in my day, it was Polly Pockets or Little Pet Shop. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, totally. And I equate this with exercise. If you don't like running, 
don't make yourself run for exercise. Find an exercise that you like and mm-hmm. it's more sustainable and more enjoyable. So for me, I am not an active play. Like I don't like to run around and play hide and seek with my kids. I don't want to go outside and make an obstacle course. I don't want to jump on the bed. I don't want to do those sort of things that require a lot of moving, I guess. A lot of but energy. I will do <laughs> yeah, a lot of energy. Exactly. But my husband loves that and he does that with them and he throws them up in the air and he does all of that with them. He'll get on a trampoline with them. Um, my public floor is not strong enough for a trampoline, but that's another story. Um, I, but I will build Legos for hours. I will do arts and crafts for hours. So my advice to this woman, um, I think it's a common issue, but find something that you like, that you love to do and involve your child. And if they don't like it, you can, you know, obviously find something else and trial and error. But I feel like when you are, expressing interest in something, your kids tend to engage with you more. And then you'll just look forward to playtime. Like I love finding a new, we just did handprint ghosts on black construction paper. And I have so much fun doing that. I, I love it. I love preparing it and everything. And my kids have so much fun with me. Now they ask, Oh, when can we do another project? So yeah. I think that would be my, my advice for her. Yeah. Cause it is true. This mom gig is hard enough that we don't need to torture ourselves with things we don't love because kids, they're totally happy to just, my mom called it parallel play. Like she would always be working on a sewing project or a craft project. And we would just sit next to her and kind of mimic her and copy her. And she never, ever, ever sat down and played Legos with us or literally I have no memory of her playing anything with us, but she was a terrific, wonderful mother and no pressure. Adrian, take all that pressure off of yourself. You're good. Exactly. You're doing a great job. Awesome. Okay. Also, just just to say something, just the fact that she's asking this question, Adrian, Adrian's asking this question, means you're a great mother. The fact that you care yes. in the first place, that's amazing. I feel like we don't give ourselves enough credit. We're always worried about, oh, are sensory kids okay? Like, how can I do this? How can I do that? The fact that you even care is amazing, and your child absorbs that. Yeah, I love that. That is so true. Going off of that idea that this mom gig is hard. It can also be exhausting. I posted the question to my Instagram community for best advice for tired parents. And Miss Diane, one, three, two, she says, my daughter is two months old and it's caffeine baby, (laughs) which, you know, a lot of us can relate. What is your best advice for tired parents? I feel like it's not going to be advice people want to hear, but honestly, consistent as possible exercise and fueling your body right. Mm -hmm. If I don't eat well and I don't get in at least 10 minutes of movement in the day, I am so sluggish. I'm irritable and it's hard to get there and it's hard to establish the routine. But once you do, it's so much more powerful than caffeine. And I find myself, I'm like, oh, I didn't have my afternoon coffee today. And I was like, well, I had a longer than usual workout and I, you know, it really energized me for the day. So that would be my my biggest advice. I think there's certain foods you can eat that help fuel your body and give it energy. Yeah. And I love that you said 10 minutes because I think often we have in our mind, oh, we need a 45, 60-minute workout, or if we can't do that, then it's not worth it. But a 10-minute walk around the neighborhood or just doing some calisthenics, that's all you need, right? That's all you need is just a little elevated heart rate. And it it's like the dwarfin high even that usually energizes me. That's all you need. And I, I know it's hard when you're so exhausted to then say, okay, well, we need to exercise because that's going to give me energy. But usually once you put on your shoes, you put on your outfit and you go to exercise, you immediately feel better. And as I said, with the, you know, picking the kind of playtime you like, 
picking the kind of exercise you like as a mother. Also, it's kind of like, okay, I get this for me. I get to choose, you know, what I'm going to do in this 10 minutes. And it's just for me. And if you look at exercise as a form of giving yourself energy so you can be a better person and be uh, then therefore be a better mother, I think it shapes your priorities better. Yep. And something is better than nothing. 10 minutes is better than nothing. And I I know I always feel better if I just do 10 minutes. Twice this week, I've gone down to my gym intending to do a 45-minute workout. And it's been more like seven minutes. <laughs> but better something's, than zero. Better, something's better than nothing, right? Yep. So good. Okay. Melinda Higby offered her uh, advice for tired parents. She says, outsource everything you possibly can. So I'm wondering, Allie, what have you been able to outsource in your life that's helped? You know, I think probably the most popular answer is cleaning. I outsource, we have a cleaning lady that comes once a week and she started off just cleaning the apartment, but I've asked her to, you know, do our, um, some laundry. So now she does the sheets on our bed and she does our towels and that has made such a big difference. We still do our own laundry but I've had her do that. And that outsourcing alone has been really helpful. I outsource a lot in my business. And that, mm-hmm. and since I work for myself, that translates. Honestly, I live in a city and every, every single errand that I could possibly do is within a two block radius. So for me, outsourcing certain errands wouldn't make sense. But I know a lot of people who live in suburbs um, and have to get in a car and run errands, like go to the post office, the grocery store, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Those are great things to um, outsource. I love using TaskRabbit and Thumbtack to outsource bigger projects. Like I wanted my grill deep cleaned before the season, before the summer. And I was like, that will take me six hours. There's no way I can do it. Like I I just don't have that time. So I outsourced it. So I like for certain projects like that, I think that's really valuable if you have the luxury to do it. Yeah. And thinking about the house cleaning, I mean, I also have a house cleaner. I didn't always, I didn't have a regular house cleaner until I had my sixth baby. My my kids were all, you know, part of our, we called it Team Quigley, helping helping clean (laughs) everything from toilets to floors. And I kind of feel like my younger kids have missed out on that because we've had a house cleaner pretty much their whole life. And I don't know if they know how to clean a toilet. So back <laughs> thinking about how like everyday life could be play, maybe like outsourcing some of the cleaning to your kids in the spirit of play. There was actually a time in my life where I wanted to grow up and be a maid. I thought cleaning was that fun. <laughs> See, that's amazing. But I love that you did that. And now your children probably won't dread cleaning. You know, my I don't think my mother ever involved me. So for me, it was like this chore that, you know, you had to do, mm-hmm. not yeah. something that was like fun to spend time with my parents or, you know, like learn something from yeah. them. I feel like that's great that you did that. Oh, what are yeah. the age gaps between your children? So my oldest is 27 and my youngest is 14. Um, I have seven and they're all about two years apart. So... By the time baby number six came along, I was so overwhelmed. And actually, my mother-in-law was really scared for me. She's like, I don't know how you're going to do this. And so she she hired a house cleaner for me. And then there was no going back, especially as a working mom. Like, it's that's just, it's been so nice to not have to think about that. But It's survival. And I think that, I don't know if you feel this way also, but I feel like there's so much shame put on mothers for outsourcing or asking for help or having help. Yeah. You know, we have a nanny. I have four kids. They all have different schedules or doing different things. I couldn't logistically do it on my own. And if I, even if I could, the strain that it would put on me would make me, a, you know, a lesser mother in for the way that I'm wired. So I feel yeah. like there shouldn't be the shame around it. It's, you know, we, 
we're not supposed to have kids in a silo. We're supposed to have live in a community like how it originally was and have people helping family nearby. We have no family nearby. So for me, that's how I get my help. And there, I think there's nothing wrong with that. There's no difference between having help than asking your family to help. It's It's the same thing, you know, you need it. I love that you pointed out that we're all different, right? We have different things that we're going to enjoy, different things that come easy to us, different things that we dread. And so our motherhood shouldn't look like anyone else's. Just customize exactly. it to you and your family. Such great advice. Okay, Ali, you throw some amazing birthday parties. You've got to check Ali Inspiralized on Instagram. She has a highlight bubble with some of her party highlights. Do you have another birthday party on the horizon? What's something that you're excited about right now and looking forward to? I appreciate that. I imagine with seven kids, you've thrown some pretty killer birthday parties in your time. Actually, I was just telling my girlfriend about the epic Pokemon party that I threw. I bought like this giant batch of ping pong balls and hand painted them all as Pokeballs and did a scavenger hunt. Oh my gosh. That, that was a different life. <laughs> my, my parties have become way more practical and less, <laughs> less intricate. It's but, a different stage. A different yeah, stage exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> I love, I love throwing parties. So my job before I did Inspiral or started Inspiralized, I did party planning. I did event management. Oh, fun. So I, yeah, so I love it. And any excuse for a party, you know, like even having friends over cheese and crackers, I'll turn it into like a theme night with like an activity. I just love parties. But, um, my husband is born the day before Halloween and Halloween is my favorite <gasps> holiday of all time. My daughter was but- born that day too. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, oh. we got it. She's kind of scarred about Halloween parties, though. I think I threw one too many Halloween-themed birthday parties for her. I know. My husband's the same way. And I, when I married him, I'm like, oh, this is so great. We can have Halloween-themed birthday parties. He's like, no, I want my birthday to be separate than Halloween. I'm like, yes. no. I even invested in a fog machine when she was like three because I'm like, this is going to get a lifetime's worth <laughs> of use on her Halloween birthdays. And one year she's like, mom, no more. I can't do it. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. Well, so long story short, we I would throw him a birthday party, but we're actually going to Puerto Rico, which is another reason I'm excited or something I'm oh, looking forward yes. to because we haven't brought our whole... My husband is from Puerto Rico and we haven't brought our kids to Puerto Rico to visit his side of the family since they were born. Um, we've had like setbacks like hurricanes and COVID and oh, yeah, Zika just and like a few little things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few little things. We haven't like been able to go with everyone. So we're we're going there for his birthday. Um, we'll be Aww. there for a week. So I'm very excited for that. Like we haven't had good family time together. Yes. So I'm excited. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited happy for, them for to you. See that part of his family. Yeah, I'm excited. But yeah. I would, you know, my daughter turns four in June and sadly that's probably the next big birthday party I'll throw, but I'll sneak in some little holiday themed like kids parties in there. Yeah. Awesome. We have Valentine's Day coming up. We got a lot of things to celebrate. Oh yeah. A lot. <laughs> A lot to work with. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I'm sure if you've got a family vacation on the horizon, that means lots of family photos. I know we tend to take a lot of photos when we're off on an adventure or on a vacation. But here at Chapbooks, we talk about the importance of everyday magic, all of those little in-between moments. You know, those are important parts of our story. And actually, you know, for me, capturing those moments is a gratitude practice. And I was flipping through my camera roll before I was waiting for you to get on this call and looking back at the week. And one of my magic moments that stood out was just a picture snapped at a place called Chubby's. Can you imagine a worse name for a restaurant? (laughs) That is where my youngest son works right now. And he just got promoted to work the grill. So we also showed up to surprise him. And my husband snapped a picture of us sitting around the table at Chubby's. And I just like, oh, that just warms my heart because it's just like an everyday moment, but it marks just 
a unique stage in our family's life right now. My baby is working at a restaurant. So I'm wondering, Allie, do you have an, an everyday magical moment that you've captured recently that you would share with us? Yeah, of course. By the way, that seems like a very full, joyous table. It must be incredible Aww. to see just knowing having four kids. I mean, that's your heart must be so full. I do have a moment actually, and it happened yesterday. So my son, now that he's five, is very into using my camera to take photos of the family. He'll take a photo before my husband and I go on a date. He'll ask to take a photo. He takes really, yeah, and he takes really great photos and he, he has my phone and he'll take a photo. I won't even know that he took it. And then later on, I'll look through my phone. I'm like, who took this picture? And it's the best depiction of us because we didn't know it was happening. And it was like a magical moment. And I have so many of those on my phone. He took a photo yesterday. It was a photo of me just after I finished nursing the twins. And that was the moment, like you could see it in my face. That was a moment where I was like, this is the last morning I'm going to nurse the twins. And you see it in my face that like, because I'm obviously weaning them, they're 13 months now. And I was like, this is the last morning. And I was like squeezing them and looking at them and he got the moment. And I'm so grateful for that photo. I I favorited it in my phone. I should definitely print it out. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a tender moment. That like, I I felt a little reclaimed as you were talking about weaning your babies. That is a, that is quite a milestone. Yeah. And my last babies. So Mm. especially meaningful. So good. Well, Allie, thank you so much for being here with us today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online, all the stuff and, oh, tell us about your cookbook. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So online, I'm in Spiralize pretty much everywhere, but I'm mainly on Instagram. My blog is in Spiralize.com. And I just came out with my fourth cookbook, which we found out became a New York Times bestseller in its first Yay, congratulations. Week. Thank you. Um, and that's called Feeding Littles and Beyond. And I'm most excited about that because it's just been like a culmination of my career and where it is and who I've become now that I, you know, I, I am a mother, I have four kids, the kind of recipes that I make, this is what I feed to my own family. And I'm so honored to bring that to other people's homes and their mealtimes and their plates. Um, and I wrote it in collaboration with Feeding Littles, who if you have any questions about picky eaters or anything related to that, they are the absolute resource, Megan and Judy from Feeding Littles. So I wrote it with them. So they are an occupational therapist and a registered dietitian and feeding specialist. And we wrote it together. So I wrote the recipes and they kind of give their seal of approval on all of the recipes from an OT perspective and a um, nutritionist or infant feeding specialist. And it just has great veggie forward food that you can kind of bring your family together at the table again. So I'm really excited about that. I love it. I'm, I've been cooking from it every single day and meal planning from it. So I hope that people can check it out. And my other three books are obviously, as I said before, more geared towards the spiralizing. So you can find those all on inspiralize.com. Yeah. Well, and you've been sharing a lot of your recipes from Feeding Littles on Instagram. I have favorited a lot of them. They all look so good. Even though my kids aren't so little anymore, I know they're going to love them. So congratulations on another New York Times bestseller. And thank you so much for all of your great advice. Thanks for being part of the Mom Force. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Okay. Allie has left the chat. I promise I won't make that joke every episode, but it was too good. If you want to be part of the chat, be sure to follow me over on my Instagram at Vanessa Quigley or join our Mom Force Facebook group. I hope to hear from you.